life can get pretty complicated. In the Simply Practically Human podcast, Mark Labusque talks to incredible humans to see the way forward more clearly through the complexity in the world and in our heads. Let's get ready to thrive. Hey, g'day there, fellow humans. Mark Labusque here for the Simply Practically Human podcast, recording it on a Tuesday evening again. I'm uh, going to talk about that shortly for the Friday edition of the self-indulgent short sharp sweet i'll put in this time version of the simply practically human podcast me just ruminating on the week and looking for some lessons from my experiences my lived experiences i'll say this week i've heard recently one of my colleagues has said that words becoming or those words are becoming overused but i only think they become overused by those people who think they're missing out on using them so i'm finding that lived experience has been a great way to bring together some learning when you combine it with a bit of theory as well. But where do we start this week? I do want to dip in today to what triggers us emotionally. And um, I've just been to the Blues Fest at Byron Bay. So uh, five days of incredible music. Now, let me paint the picture for this with COVID for the last couple of years. This was the 33rd Blues Fest. Um, It continues to just grow as a event uh, just out of Byron Bay, just to the north of Byron Bay, out on a on a fellow's farm. And it's um, a pretty incredible event. And the last two years, it's been cancelled due to you know what. And particularly last year, it was actually cancelled the day before it was due to kick off. Now, imagine this if you would. This was my first Blues Fest, but you are literally, you are literally entering a pop-up town a pop-up city, I'm going to say, actually quite a big city because there were 99,000 humans that uh, came through the doors over the last five days at Blues Fest. So just imagine that the year before, a day before it was called off because somebody got COVID in Byron Bay. It's interesting how much progress we've made since then to be able to allow this festival with a whole lot of hard work and bringing together some incredible music acts that uh, went ahead. So I'm going to say about five months ago, myself and Alison and a couple of other couples uh, decided to get ourselves tickets to head up for the festival. Unfortunately, two of our very dear friends, the hubby came down with COVID on the Wednesday before we were due to leave. He was feeling a bit crook Tuesday afternoon and Wednesday was tested positive and then Thursday his wife tested positive. So Benny and Lisa... It was a shame not to have you there, but hopefully next year we might do it again. And James and Dale, who came up with us as well. And um, we headed off from Melbourne on last Thursday. We get up to the uh, the Blues Fest. It's a fair old walk-in. <clears throat> Jeez, I hope that's not COVID, but I'm sure it's not just from, from singing and um, a lot of uh, energy over the last uh, five days. You walk, you've got a fair walk-in from the entrance to get to your campsite, and we were camping on site. Now... I'm going to say we semi-roughed it because we were in tents that were already erected with a couple of single stretcher beds, some portable showers and toilets not too far away. And we went for the uh, option, the add-on option of all linen supplied, which was a great idea. So we weren't carrying a shitload of stuff with us from Melbourne. So we packed pretty lightly. We got up to the site. We settled ourselves in. And um, for those who are from Australia, you'll, you'll know these names well. For those who aren't, you might know some of the names. So the bands that were on over the five days. And uh, you got to think also there was quite a few clashes at times. Crowded House, Midnight Oil, 
Paul Kelly, Pete Murray, The Angels, Glenn Shorrock, Jimmy Barnes, Missy Higgins, Ross Wilson, The Waifs, The Black Sorrows. I could continue to roll them out. And it was just like, I guess, for me growing up in the late, uh, let's say the mid to late 80s and into the 90s, it was almost like every one of my favourite Australian acts had come together at once over five days. So what happened for me in the event, and I want to sort of get you to start thinking about this as well, was that as I was listening to some of the songs, it was actually starting to trigger some thoughts, some memories and some emotions. And I'm going to get into that a little bit later into, into what came of that. But just imagine this for a moment, fellow humans. You've got 99,000 people there in a virtual pop-up city for five days and there's a whole lot of energy, there's a whole lot of excitement, there's a whole lot of engagement. And I've just come to recently writing in a little, I call it a journal. Well, I don't write a lot in there, but just each day I write down some words and just on one of the days and I, and I you know, talk about a small world if you're prepared to have a conversation with someone. And on the 15th, when we're up there, 15th of April, I wrote in my journal that day, say hello and you never quite know where these two words can take you. So there's also outside the event, because the event doesn't open to a certain time of the day, there's actually a place called the Bloody Good Food Pop-Up Cafe. So each morning around about, because I get up early, around about 6, 6.30, I drop in there for a a tofu burrito, which was magnificent, and a hot chocolate. And I'm sitting next to a fellow and he says, g'day, I say g'day, and... We start having a conversation and it just so happens, and this is how small the world is, whilst he's from Adelaide and I'm from Melbourne, there was a connection that we found by just having a conversation. You know, I always talk about just sitting and having a conversation, getting curious, asking questions, sharing information. And it just so happened that the brother-in-law of this fellow was someone who I really looked up to as a kid growing up at 14 or 15, playing in a in an A-grade men's basketball team with a fellow by the name of Simon Mills and his brother Roger and a few others, but these people were now related through family. So Simon happened to be the brother-in-law of this fellow that I met from Adelaide. And it was crazy just to think sitting there, you could sit there and mind your own business, but this is actually a community blues fest. So when you're in the community and you're curious and you could say, yeah, I'm a bit hungry and I'm busy and I've got to move on to whatever's coming up next, like I said last week, but had a chance to sit there, have a conversation. I ended up sharing with this good human being a photo of our premiership basketball side from way back in, I'm going to say, around 81, 1981, 1982, with, with the said Mills boys in it, which um, absolutely freaked this guy out. We also talked about a few other things. We've all got both had three kids. His kids were a little bit younger than than our kids, but you know some of the things they were going through, some of the things that our kids were going through, we just continued to find connection. So one of the beauties of these situations is that you can just find those connections if you're prepared to do that. Another one is I always, in my next day, I said this, when you're in the neighbourhood and someone's there, it is the done thing to say hello. So one of my clients, we were talking about Five weeks ago on a group Zoom call, and this fellow was based in WA, and I mentioned I was off to Blues Fest, and he said, I'm going to be there too. So I said, oh, we should catch up and have a beer or a gin or whatever it might be. And, and I think it's important 
in that situation if you made a commitment, but you stick to that commitment. So I caught up with uh, Simon on the second day. He was actually out there to surprise a mate of his from Melbourne who was didn't know Simon was coming as a guest and a surprise guest for his 50th. What a bloody good thing to do for somebody else. So I caught up with him. He was in the neighbourhood. I was in the neighbourhood. Um, just imagine if either of us had said, let's catch up, and we decided not to. That's a bit of, bit of a – that's not a human thing to do. So that was interesting as well. This continued to happen all through the festival. You would just sit down. People would let you sit across from them on a, on a bench seat or like where you could have something to eat. And it was just really, really easy to find connection with other humans. And there were some incredible stories. I know Alison and Dale were sitting with some people who had lost three houses in the recent floods in Lismore and had a good conversation with them. They said they were, whilst they were obviously sad and a bit emotional about what had happened, they were also upbeat about moving on as well. But just finding that time to sit there and hear some of those stories is a good thing. So let me get to today's topic. And I reckon it got triggered for me. And it's all about this idea of thinking about the power of connection to people, people you know and people you don't know, the power of your connection to your memories, the power of connection to what I call what was. And as we get into this today, and I think there's a real relational piece here with what we've been going through and sort of what we're moving into now, the power of connection to a song in a moment. So, you know, thinking about one of my favourite bands who – I haven't mentioned yet, but haven't been together for about 10 years. And they came back together back in February. They've done a couple of festivals since February, one in or two in regional Victoria, the Port Ferry Folk Festival and uh, Riverboats Folk Festival in Echuca. And then they were due to play at Blues Fest and the band's called Weddings, Parties, Anything. Now, where do the memories come from? Where do the emotions get triggered from? They come from a place of, I reckon, I was around about 19 or 20 when I first started to follow these guys around. So we're talking a long time ago. We're talking over 30 years ago. And I remember clearly seeing them in my hometown of Muldura um, way back. And in fact, they've got a famous song where they actually talk about or sing about the hometown, which was a, for us back then as young kids was a, was a pretty proud moment. So the widows, as I call them, they were playing on the Sunday And they were following up from another great act from back in that sort of time for me, another one that brings back fond memories, which was Diesel. Johnny Diesel, as he's been known as, but now Diesel. And that was a great show. I think Alison um, has an absolute crush on Diesel. She was very, very happy to to get very close to the, the stage when he was playing. And then the Widows came on after him. And if I think back to the night before, another famous Australian singer, been around for years, Paul Kelly, he started uh, his show in the big tent. He was the last act of the night, drew an enormous crowd, and he sang the first song. And at the end of the song, he actually, I think, very, very vulnerably and courageously said, I'm actually quite emotional. And he had to wipe away the tears because if you think about it for these folk who have been travelling around the world for years, for two years there they had nothing. They'd lost that connection. I won't say they had nothing. It's probably not the right way to put it. They'd lost a lot of the connection to what they were used to doing, to their livelihoods, to their connections with the industry, to music, which I think brings out the best in everybody. And I just thought it was 
such an incredible moment where someone who is like an icon of music was showing his emotions on the stage very, very clearly to see. So I was just wondering at the time, I wonder what was going through his mind and there would have been a whole lot of stuff and I couldn't help but start to feel a bit of it myself. And then come the Weddows on the Sunday, the songs that they sing bring back so many memories for me. There was a moment where I got a bit teary standing in the crowd trying to hide it, let me tell you, trying to very much hide it. But in the end, just shedding a few tears, uh, listening to a few of their songs. And i got to say, over the weekend, with the different acts that come on, there were moments there where there were triggers. Another incredible trigger was the last act on the big stage of the whole festival, who's a local fellow by the name of Pete Murray and a great musician, a very, very successful musician, up playing his show. And the beauty about the festival is that it can be very uh, improvised and impromptu. And at one stage he said, look, we're going to take a minute um, we're just trying to arrange something to happen. And then he said, oh, look, we better play another song while the crew, the technical crew, started to roll out some more chords. Like they do very, very purposely roll some extra chords out so you're thinking someone else is coming on. And lo and behold, Pete Murray brings out his 18-year-old son, Charlie. And that was incredible because Charlie came out, he looked a bit nervous on the guitar, Pete playing one of his most famous songs, and he calls his son into the microphone to do a bit of a duet of the chorus with him, and then he steps away and Charlie takes over. And I think it was the first time he'd done it, but what was really interesting and I guess a trigger for me at that time was Pete Murray at the time, even though he is just this most incredible musician, what I saw was Pete Murray, the proud dad. And there was a great moment then where in the next song, he literally grabbed his phone, he jumped down off the stage and there was a there was like a pathway down the middle and he was taking video of his son and you could see how proud he was and like it was just an incredible moment to see that these musicians who we revere are human and they are full of emotion just like the rest of us. So what a great event that when I think about the sorts of memories for me of those bands of over 30 plus years I think about the emotions that it brought up for me and how I was trying to hide them, even though in my work I'm telling people not to hide your emotions, to to share how you're feeling, to be a bit vulnerable. I found that I couldn't fight it and it felt really good. It felt so good to do that. And then I think about the workplace and now what are we doing at the moment or what are you doing in your workplace to take those moments, those triggers Moments of emotion, moments of energy, moments of engagement, moments of excitement, they're going to pop up as, as we start to get to do some things that we haven't really been able to do over the last two years. And I've just got four things that I want to share here that might be really useful for you to help not just the people that you're working with, but also yourself to not try and hide the emotion, to encourage the vulnerability and the courage for people to share how they're feeling and I guess to help us move back into what's going to be not the same sort of time as it was two years ago but a different time perhaps with a little bit more opportunity for us to talk about how we're feeling and show some emotion because what will happen over the time is that you'll start to get triggered when when little things pop up, when those weddings, parties, anything songs popped up for me, 
they started to trigger some emotion from times gone by, which was a good thing. So the first one I'm going to say is, and it doesn't matter if you're a manager or if you're part of a team or whatever, the first one is to show it yourself. So if you are keen for your people to share how they're feeling and share in a moment and let them know that it's okay in a moment to trigger some emotions, and those emotions may not just be like teary ones, they could be ones of absolute joy, they could bring tears as well, but there could be a whole lot of different emotions that get triggered. The first one in is try not to hide them. Try not to bottle them up because I know I was doing that for about four or five songs until the end it was like, nah, it's not going to happen. And uh, a few tears rolled down the cheeks and I uh, had a bit of a look around to see who was looking and and sort of wiped them away. <laughs> Didn't say too much about it, but, uh, you know, show it yourself is the first thing because that encourages others to do the same thing. The second thing I'm going to say is have some conversations around memories like what do you remember work to be like? What were the things that you really enjoyed? What were maybe some of the things you didn't enjoy so much? How did they make you feel? And I just want to share with you here, good is not a feeling. So encourage your people to share their feelings, to share their emotions, to share the memories that might trigger them so that they know that it's okay, that, you know, as they come back into that workplace, that it's okay to share what's going on for them. The third one, and it sort of rolls in there, is it's okay to show emotions. Encourage your people to not have them just build up and build up and be hidden because it's almost like at some point in time, it's all going to come out. So, you know, if it does happen, let the people know that it's okay to show some emotion rather than trying to hide them, and encourage that. Uh, and it doesn't mean that, as I said, it always shows up as tears or or something like that, but if people have permission to do it, what will happen is they'll get less inclined to try and hang on to it because they're not seeing it from you or not seeing it from others, and they're going to feel like they've got an invitation to be human in that moment, which rolls us into the fourth one, which is about then creating that understanding. And I think this is a really important piece is that what I'm hearing at the moment, I've been very, very fortunate with one client that really believes in the power of organisations and the teams in their organisations of coming together for like five or six hours to talk about the last two years and literally talk about them, how they're feeling, what's been working for them, what's been triggering them, what are some some personal hardships they've had, what are some personal successes they've had, what have they seen with some of their family members that have they're actually based overseas, how would they like to transition back into the workplace? There might be a policy or a process about how that's happening, but, but what's going to work best for them? And when you allow people to talk it through, what you find as well is that they find that deeper connection because there are things that are going on that perhaps others didn't know and as you create that safe space for them to have those conversations and the understanding increases, so too does the connection deepen and the sense of belonging to that group becomes stronger because this is how it happens. It's not going to happen by telling people about how they need to feel or what they need to think and how many days they need to be in the office and how many days they can work from home and what's the best time to work. 
and how many meetings do they have to go to? And perhaps if you're, you know, a really shitty organization, how many keystrokes they've had for the day to see whether they've been productive. So starting from the other end, and that's all about the energy, the engagement, and the emotional side of it is create that space where it's okay to have those conversations and to be triggered and to show the emotion so that all of you get a greater understanding of each other. So it's really interesting, I think, anyway, that making a decision to go to an event that for the last two years has been cancelled, and even though it was a marathon, and I've got to say for us, this was our first five-day experience. We didn't go for the three-day. We didn't sort of ease ourselves in. We were next to a younger couple, a very much younger couple who had said to Alison that we were hardcore because we went for five days. And let me tell you, the stretch of bed, I wouldn't call it comfortable. Let me call it comfortably uncomfortable, as I use the term, but even at times uncomfortably uncomfortable. She felt like I'd been run over by a truck every now and again when I got up and started to move around. The showers could go from absolutely scolding you to to absolutely freezing you in five or six seconds. But again, I'm not even going to talk about the toilets, but again, I think this is part of the experience. It's part of going to these things, experiencing it, meeting new people, bumping into some people that you already knew, or just simply sitting down and starting a conversation and finding out that if you're prepared to give a bit of yourself, others are prepared to give a bit of themselves, and all of a sudden you've had a 50-minute to an hour conversation without even trying. Nothing was awkward about it, and it was just an incredible event. So have a think about this. What are you doing in in relation to being triggered at the moment? What What is triggering you around the little memories of going back into the workplace, going back into the office? What are some of those things that are bringing real joy to you? What are some of those things that maybe bring a bit of pain to you as well? And what are those things in between? And be prepared to, if you're a manager, create the space. First of all, go first and give permission for others to do it. But, you know, Regardless of who you are, it just takes that one person to start the ball rolling here and then all of a sudden it's like there are so many memories, this is happening, we're getting back into a more connected world, a physically connected world, not to say we still haven't got some challenges where we're building that sense of belonging again and that can be a bumpy road. So allow that space to do that. Allow yourself to show a bit of that yourself. Don't try and hold back the tears, the tears of joy. And I think mine were tears of joy, just triggered by a series of emotions. One thing that I'm very good at is remembering moments when I heard particular songs. And I think that's what was going on for me. And just to finish it up today, and I'm, you know, I'm looking back in my journal again, and I've written some words about last night's performance by Pete Murray when he bought his sun out and it simply says this no matter how famous pete murray is first and foremost he's a father and i saw that last night so very powerfully i saw a proud dad with his son on a stage giving him permission to be himself and it was absolutely phenomenal so to finish it up show some emotion It's okay if you've got some memories and you're going to be a bit triggered. Don't try and hang on to it. 
and most of all, give permission to others to do the same thing. It was a blast to go to Byron. The music was incredible. I'd really encourage others who have never experienced that sort of thing to have a look at, at that festival or many other festivals that happen around Australia, around the world, because you just never know what sort of memories and joy it could bring to you. Hey, if you like this one, leave us a comment. Tell us why. Rate it five stars and um, share it with your friends as well and uh, subscribe. Tell your friends to subscribe. Catch up with your friends at the next music festival. It's about time we started getting out and doing what I did for the last five days. But until next time, keep it simple, keep it practical, and keep it human. Bye for now.